If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. So last year when I decided not to start becoming a nurse practitioner right away, I said, you know, I'm going to take a sabbatical. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Kimberly Madison. How are you today? Wonderful wellness with Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited that you are here. I can't wait for our listeners to get to know a little bit about you and all the awesome things you're doing. So why don't we start off by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? I knew that was going to be the first question. And it's such a loaded question, especially the older you get. It's like, where do you start that story? But I think it's always important. I think my story, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for my parents. So my dad is from Jersey. My mom's from New York. They met and fell in love at Northeastern in Boston. And I grew up hearing that story. So I was chasing Boston dreams forever. So after Northeastern, my dad joined the military. And so I grew up in the Marine Corps, basically. Um, And then my first W-2 job, which I always forget, whenever I tell my story, I always forget that my first job was in a nursing home. And it really influenced me and I completely forgot about it. I guess I internalized that and then it would influence decisions and I just forgot about it. But my experience in the nursing home, what I learned the most was that I didn't want to be in a position when my parents got older where I was depending on someone else to tell me what was wrong and what the best course of action would be. And that's when I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. But surprisingly, I was still pursuing teaching up until about junior, senior year because I wanted a car, right? And my parents kept telling me no. And I said, you know what? If I become a teacher, I'm not going to be able to afford these things that I want for my kids. I'm not going to do this teacher thing. Let me do something based on the money. So I said, I'm going to do computer science. But before I even got to college, someone from church was like, no, everything's moving in IT. Do IT. So I chose that major. Hated it. Okay. I spent one semester in it and realized you either have it or you don't. I'm very black and white. I need to be able to open a book and find the answer. And in programming, it doesn't work like that. I could spend six hours in the lab trying to come up with a program and get nowhere. That wasn't going to work. So, you know, I sat down and I had a conversation with myself. What would I do if I didn't limit myself to time, money, or age? And I said, you know what? I would pursue healthcare. And so out of all the options, at first I was pursuing dentistry. Did that for a really long time. Did a lot of shadowing. And then I went to Boston, got my, had my own little Boston experience, you know, so I was trying to go to Boston the first time, but remember my, I'm all focused on this car, right? So my mom was like, well, if you stay in state, we'll get you a car. So I stayed in state 
she did not get me a car. So when it came time to go back to school, I said, you know, I'm doing this Boston thing. So I went to Boston and um, I went to Tufts. I did a biomedical engineering certificate and I was working at Children's Hospital recruiting patients for research. And to get those patients, I had to talk to the nurses a lot. Never thought about nursing. I had a roommate in college who pursued nursing. Never crossed my mind, you know. But now I'm interacting with these nurses all the time. I'm watching ER before work. It's always focused on the nurse. I'm starting to see this nursing thing in a whole different light. So now I start, you know, researching the field. I love the opportunities. There's this one degree you can do a million things with it. And it's just spoke to me. So and then, you know, what? I started to see dentistry a little more isolating. I was living in Boston by myself and I was starting to see this career. It's like you and your patient, their mouth is open. You're not going to be talking to them. It might be kind of lonely. Is that really the career I want to have? So decided to pursue nursing. At the same time, there's going to be a theme. I was watching a lot of TV. I was watching Food Network and there was this really cute couple on there, this black couple in Memphis. They were so in love. And I was like, if people in Memphis fall in love like that, I want to I want to be there. So I explored all the nursing programs. So actually, so I knew I wanted to go to nursing. But first, I, I knew I wasn't getting my doctorate, right? Because that was that conversation I had my, with myself. I want to pursue, get the highest level of education. So the higher, I'm, the higher I am, the less people can tell me no. So I first picked out my doctorate program. There was only two schools that I found that were interesting to me, which was Duke and GW, because they had the BSN to DMP program. And I knew I only wanted to do this application thing one more time. <laughs> I only wanted to ask for one more recommendation. <laughs> I just wanted to get it over with. So I picked out uh, GW and Duke, and then I picked out the bachelor's program. Went to University of Memphis, had a fabulous time. Considering how random that decision was, probably the best place I've ever lived. And just the most wonderful people. I was really in part of the community and it was just a great time. And I was going to stay there actually. After I graduated, I was going to stay another year, but my mom um, ended up getting diagnosed with breast cancer my last year. And so after I graduated, I went back home, um, found out that Georgetown would pay for me to, uh, to pay my living expenses to go back home. And so I went and did the residency program for a year. You know, so the culture at Georgetown is like, you know, you kind of do your two or three years and then you go back and get your education. So that was always the plan. And initially I was going to do the DMP to PhD because I really couldn't decide between clinical and research. I loved all of it. Um, but then I started getting involved in the hospital, getting a bigger picture of healthcare besides just at the bedside. And I started to see healthcare in a different light. Now that it wasn't so draining anymore. It's like all these opportunities, all these different ways you can really help people. And I took an extra year to make that decision. And at this point, also, I was I had fallen in love. And it's like, you know, I, do I really want to dedicate this much time to school anymore? Yes, it's still a priority, but it's not the only priority. So I decided to go with DMP. I was like, you know what? Someone's still going to hire me in academia if I choose to do that. I'll still be able to do research. I'll still be able to practice in clinical. So I just thought it, had the mo it gave me the most flexibility. You know, I love this flexibility thing. So then um, did that for, that was six years, and I graduated last year. And so in that time, you know, we had the pandemic. And so halfway through that, I started getting interested in like um, real estate and investing. And so now I'm listening to this a little bit on the side, learning as I go. But I'm also working full time and going to school, getting uh, becoming a nurse practitioner and getting my doctorate. So halfway through that BSN to DMP program, they said, oh, you're going to graduate. Had no idea that was going to happen. Had no plans to transition in the middle of that. And so I, it was a very hard decision. But I was like, I don't think I want to. Um, become a new provider and go into this doctorate program that I have no idea how demanding it's going to be. I took this long to get here. I want to enjoy it and I want to do well. I don't want to be that student that's like, I just want to get it over with and then not know what I'm talking about when I graduate. 
So I decided to wait till I graduated. But then last year when I graduated, I was like, if I start right now, I'll never get to really put time into learning this real estate and investing thing that I've really gotten interested in. And then I was just like, so much had changed. All of us, all of us in healthcare have stepped back and said, do I still want to, do I still want to be in healthcare? Right. And so I decided to take a step back, take an objective look at healthcare and decide, you know, what's my role going to be here? And so last year, first I started with nutrition. I really looked at integrative health, thought I was going to take that path for a little while. And then I came, so actually during the, about two years ago, got, uh, my partner had some really bad acne. And so he's like, oh, we should go do some microneedling. Never heard of it. Went to YouTube University, went down that rabbit hole, (laughs) never came back. (laughs) And so after the summer, when I was going nutrition and integrative medicine, started coming back to dermatology. And I started looking into that not just as a consumer of it, but now as an entrepreneur, right? And I started to see all the different avenues in business that dermatology would provide. Again, tons of flexibility. I love that. And so um, I was looking at all the opportunities for education and training because there's very little dermatology exposure in nursing, aside from you know, the integumentary system, pressure ulcers. I really don't get much more than that. And so you have to kind of be independent and, and take the initiative. So I was looking at all these opportunities, comparing all the costs, breaking it down to per hour. And I started to be uh, the entrepreneur eye. And I was like, (laughs) there's a lot of ways I can take this, right? Because um, during my DMP program, I took, uh, so there was, you had some opportunities to do like electives. And at first I was going to do the teaching one. I was like, this would be my chance to get the teaching under my belt, get a little bit of that. So what I want to teach, I'll be able to look. I took this semester in technology teaching, right? But then I said, oh, they have an entrepreneur innovation course. Oh man, which one do I do? Right. So I took that class, absolutely fell in love. I didn't know this. So for this whole time in my career, I had been like trying to come up with stuff. I didn't know it had a name until I took that class. It was innovation. And so fell in love with that. We had to pick like one problem and come up with an innovative solution. And I, at the time, I was actually on the board for the DMP, for the um, DC Nurse Practitioner Association. And someone came on one of our meetings to talk about the preceptor shortage problem. Now, because I had pursued dentistry, I had done like two, over 200 hours of shadowing. So I did, I had, I was really good at cold calling and getting clinical hours. So when I had to precept, again, I really didn't have a problem, but I do empathize. I understand the struggle. And so some schools, even like my school, it's the student's responsibility to find that preceptor. And I found uh, about three on my own and then I still needed help. So even though it was my responsibility, eventually it falls on the faculty because your students are coming to you and asking you for help and you want to help them graduate. And so they helped me and I got all my hours. One of those rotations was, um, so yeah, so in the DMP pro, so in that entrepreneurship course, I decided to address the preceptor shortage. So I could empathize with that and I looked at all the research and I, I think I have a great solution to that. Based on the research, when we survey all nurse practitioners, what we find out is that first you think, well, they're not getting compensated. So that's why they don't want to do it, right? They already have all their patient load and there's no time in the workday to really also teach students. So they say no. And in some states like Maryland, for instance, they get a tax compensation. So then there's like an incentive that they're incentivized. But when we look at the research and we survey them, actually financial compensation is one of the last things that they're saying, yeah, that's what I need to do this. They actually list a whole bunch of what's considered uh, low cost, high value benefits that they would be willing to precept if they were given that opportunity. One of those things is just access to like networking or to the school's library. So when schools say we don't have the budget, you actually don't need that. These are things you actually already have in your possession. So I really 
grasp that concept. So when I started looking into dermatology, it provided a path for me to still address that preceptor problem that I came up with. Um, so that's kind of, so I'm kind of at the beginning of a 10 year plan to pursue that. It won't take 10 years for that vision to come to life, but at the end of the 10 years, there will, there will be a model that can be implemented nationwide. Um, so that's really kind of my baby in the background and dermatology helps me get there. So now in the fall, uh, I listen to, I consume a lot of content and I'm also part of DMPs of color. And we had a conference in the fall and our fearless leader, Dr. Danielle McKamey was interviewed and she posted her interview on Instagram with um, the doctor nurse podcast with Dr. Sandra Pagoda. So I listened to that interview and then I looked at the other people who had been interviewed and there was a guy on there named Justin Allen who had said he was making $450,000 a year. Everyone's going to click on that interview, right? Myself included. Listen to that. So he started the Elite MP and the Elite MP is a collection of resources. One of them is courses. He had a telemedicine course, a dermatology course, marketing and taxes. Took all of those courses and after listening to all, so his podcast too. Basically, every nurse that comes on there, I consider it like a business troubleshooting podcast. Everyone has a different problem, but his solution is always the same. Yes, you can do this. And no, it's not that complicated. Basically, every person comes on there and he's really helping them with that limited thinking, right? And giving them the confidence like, yes, you can do this. You hear that enough times. Plus, I've been listening to these entrepreneurs and business people for the last two years, and it's all coming together all at the same time. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And so that's where the whole teledermatology practice came in. And that's where I met. Started networking and finding opportunities for education, uh, came across diversity in dermatology. And so one of those questions we always ask people, like, what would you do if you could do it for free? And my answer is writing. I love writing. I could do it all day. I love reading, writing, and telling other people about it. And so I decided to start a blog. It's called the Mahogany Dermatology Blog. And I talk about dermatology, but mostly I'm, I'm really targeting that aspiring dermatology nurse practitioner. You know, what are the things that you need to do? How networking, social media, how to navigate that? Um, so when I came across diversity in dermatology, I was looking at what they have to offer. So they have free membership which was wonderful. And then I started looking at their blog, seeing what they talk about. And I saw it hadn't been updated for over a year. So I emailed them and I was like, hey, are you looking for an author? And she was like, yes, we are. So then I became the blog chair for diversity and dermatology. She invited me to attend their conference, started networking, really getting to see the inside of the field. And it's just really blossomed after that. And um, here we are came across you because of DMPs of color. We were in a meeting together and someone was like, share your social media um, contact in the chat. And so, you know, I've been listening to these entrepreneurs and they always talk about the real key to business is relationships. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And then what you do with it, obviously. So I was like, you know, if this was a real person event, I would just come and talk to you, but it's not a real person event. So I'm just going to put my link in the chat and start reaching out to people and talking to them. And I just looked at their profile and I was like, oh, she has a podcast. I'm starting a podcast. And so you were gracious enough to get on a call with me, tell me about your experience, your step-by-step -step process from filming to editing to publishing. And then you were gracious enough to invite me and here we are. So last year when I decided not to start becoming a nurse practitioner right away, I said, you know, I'm going to take a sabbatical, a working sabbatical, because, you know, that three-day work week gives me so much free time. 
I love my time. I really value my time. And so it's afforded me, if I, if I was a provider, I would have never had the time to watch that podcast, would have never got inspired to start my practice, would have never had the time to explore the internet and come across diversity in dermatology, would have never, none of these things would have ever happened. And so really great. That was really the best decision I probably made last year. And part of that came from a lady named Stephanie Perry. Stephanie Perry is a black woman who considers herself the professional house sitter. And she's created a community of women. You know her? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like a few years back, she um, went on a vacation, found out about the gap year, and she was just talking about it on Instagram. At the same time, another lady named Rashida Dow from Detroit was doing the same thing. A lady who follows both of them said, oh, you two should meet. They met and they created what's called the Exodus Summit, which is basically this community of Black expats. And on there every week, they're always talking about how you don't have to do all the things, be all the things. And really like this whole idea of freedom and taking your time back and determining how you spend your time and to make sure you're valued for that and compensated for that. So I'm listening to all these people. And it's just hard to ignore that. And so, you know, I said, I'm going to take my own little sabbatical and see where that goes. Now we're in May. It's technically the end of that sabbatical. And so I'm at the point of, do I continue it? Because, of course, there's more things I want to be able to explore. And being off four days a week sounds really good. Um, But I'm also ready to move on. So here we are. Yeah, I I love that story. You said a lot in there. um, And I want to first just address that you have the freedom to do whatever the hell you want to do. Uh, one, the DNP does not determine that. Oh, think, yeah, definitely. I think with COVID, a lot of nurses have really found their sweet spot in terms of creating their own path, you know, writing their own check, you know, uh, hanging their own shingles, starting their own business. We can do so much. And I think COVID really gave us the time to pause and really unpack our true abilities because we're so much more than nurses at the bedside or in an organization. So I always say for me, what COVID did for me was really showed me that I can have a wider impact on the world and I don't have to be affiliated with a health institution or a clinic. It's me. I'm the gift, right? Exactly. So that, that's what I'm hearing from you um, as well. And I love that you found your path to dermatology and you're, you love to consume content. I'm the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. And you said a couple of things that I can relate to, like Boston. I'm not sure if you know that, but I'm from Boston, Mass. I was yeah, I think, I, there. Yeah. I think when we first talked, we had all these things and it was like, girl, how yeah. have we never met before? <laughs> yes. Yes. My husband actually used to work. Oh, he's from Boston as well. He used to work at Northeastern. Um, so, so yes. And your mother did respond that, uh, <laughs> she didn't want you to be distracted. <laughs> that happened anyway, actually. Yeah. 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 So bioengineering, like that's a big thing. I don't want to like just glaze over that. Have you found a way to incorporate that into what you're doing now? Cause I can see that being incorporated into dermatology in many ways. So I used to get that all the time. And the thing is we would, our job cannot function if there's no tech. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, we don't even we don't even think twice about that. But the truth is, technology is everywhere. Not only are we utilizing it, but we're also consulting and helping them to create those products. Unfortunately, what we're not doing is when nurses are not being brought on at the big initial stage of that design, where you can really you don't have to then at the end create all these um, workarounds once it actually gets implemented in clinical practice. So when I was doing when I was doing dentistry, I would my I chose to concentrate on devices. 
now that I'm doing uh, dermatology, I still want to create. So you know what that engineering thing came from? It came from that, that wanting to create. So that's why when I took that innovation course, it was like, oh, that's who I am. I'm, I want to make up. I want to create something with my hands. I used to always say for years, if I ever started over, I would just do engineering because it's one degree and you're done. <laughs> uh, and my dad, actually, he majored in engineering. So it's not, you know, that's kind of also a little bit of that. So what happened is I had done biology. I needed to pull my GPA up. If you go to grad school, you need to pull some experience. I said, well, the bio thing is still there, but I get to do this new thing. It's also challenging. I can prove to myself and grad school that I can handle the coursework. So that's where that came from. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. And also you have so much experience. I mean, you're, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I think the, the credentials and it just, you know, speaks to your credibility um, as to, to what you're doing. It's only going to feed and amplify and expand, you know, wherever you put your hands, which is anywhere, anywhere you, you want to go. So, so ultimately, dermatology is your sweet spot. That you is, are. yes, mm -hmm. yep. And again, really, what I'm doing with dermatology and that preceptor thing is education. It's still taking back to that teacher, but it's just not that that formal path, right? I'm creating my own path, and the whole idea is still the teaching, right? Even with the reading and the writing, I still want to share, right? I still want to teach. Yeah, I mean, nurses, we're teachers at heart. And I mm -hmm. think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they're able to discover that, start their own business, whether it's coaching. I think I don't think nurses make the best coaches because that's what we do. That's what we're trained to do. We're trained to coach and coaching is teaching, right? Mm -hmm. so yeah. We have the frameworks. We, we know the importance of evidence base and that's what the DNP. So I'm also um, pursuing my DNP. Uh, next year, I'll, you know, have my credentials. Um, but that's what it is. It's really the, the whole quality improvement. I think it just complements everything else, you know, we, we do um, in nursing and in our own business. So, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your practice. What makes your practice unique, different? Why should people want to come and work with you? So my practice is called Mahogany Telederm. And so the part of the name is for years, whenever I wanted to find a provider that looked like me, I had to guess by looking at their name. Everyone's, you cannot tell, my name is Kimberly Madison. You cannot tell I'm a black woman until you physically see me. And I think that's gotten me a lot of opportunities to be honest. Um, so I, I recognize the struggle for people who want to find a provider who looks like them. Now in this, you know, it's 2023, there's tons of websites that say black doctor, black, whatever in the, in the website. So that has been extremely helpful. But when I grew up, that wasn't the case. You know, you start with your insurance company, put in the provider looking for the specialty. And then I was a guessing game. I would take their name, go to Google, see if I had a picture. I remember one time I found someone, her name was Genesis. And I was like, I'm just going to go with this one. Right. She walks in the door, black woman. I was completely surprised. I was like, you're black. I was looking for someone like you. I was I was so excited. So mahogany, I want people to know that when they see that name, it's going to be someone who looks like them. Telederm, short for teledermatology, which is the utilization of telehealth to provide dermatology services, which is the specialization in skin, hair, and nails. So my practice is different because we are, so as it stands, there are only 3% of dermatologists that are Black and 4% that are Hispanic. It takes on average 35 days to get an appointment. And if you live in a rural area, it can take up to 75 days. So my practice is going to be targeting rural and provider shortage areas. We're going to be providing inclusive and comp culturally competent care. 
And that's what makes me different. Because when you look at the map, if you look at it for looking for a provider or education and training, the maps are all the same. All the opportunities are in these densely populated areas, Boston, New York, California, Miami, a little bit over here when you come to like Tennessee and this part of the country. But then you come right over here to Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, blank. In fact, there's only from what I can tell, there's only one black dermatologist in Arizona. So even if you're searching from, say, Colorado, he's still going to come up. <laughs> he's still the closest person. And so that's what makes my, my practice different. Yeah, I think it's so important to have representation in dermatology, like all of healthcare, right? There's very limited amount of Black people, especially Black women. So I think it's very unique that you uh, started this practice uh, for us. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So how do people find you if they want to learn more about your practice or become a client? Uh, how, and how do you work with people? Like, do you do consultations? And then is it like a package they have to buy? Talk to us more about the nitty gritty of how people can actually work with you. Okay, so the nitty gritty, I'm still ironing out, but I'm going to have a list of diagnoses that I really focus on. And those diagnoses are going to be things that are easily treatable through a visual format using the use of a video and camera. So things like acne, but also those skin of color diagnoses. So acne is the number one diagnosis, first of all, and it's the number one reason why someone would come to a specialist. You go to primary care, they're going to be treating, they're going to treat a little bit of your, like your mild acne and like your dermatitis. But once that acne gets out of control, they're going to dermatology. But when we look at the list of skin of color top diagnoses, it's hyperpigmentation. When you look at your marketing, your advertising, you know, you, it's, now you're starting to see some of it come out, but even still, it's a smaller percentage compared to everything else, right? It's going to be that anti-aging, wrinkles, things that we don't associate with. Even the skin cancer marketing tends to be targeted to the lighter skin tones. We're starting to see more of that change, particularly in social media, not so much on mainstream. We're still still have a ways to go there. Um, and you know what? It really surprises me when I start to think, when I started stepping back, it's like, when you think about the history in America and how so much of our history has been shaped by the, the color of our skin, it's kind of sur- ironic that de- dermatology, which is completely a visual practice, is not more diverse, you know? But at the same time, if the people who have been in charge of determining how your life is going to be lived based on how you live, then I guess it's not so surprising that they would also be in charge of that specialty, you know, dominating that specialty. Um, But again, we're starting to see some changes in that. But if on average, it takes 12 years for for someone to become a dermatologist, and it takes 35 days for an appointment there and 75 over here, we can't rely solely on doctors or skin of color providers to meet the needs of dermatology concerns. Everyone really needs to be aware of what those issues are, and how to treat them and how to provide that culturally competent care. You can't tell me as a black woman, I need to wash my hair two or three times a day. I'm never going to do that, right? I need to know that you understand my culture so that we can meet halfway through. I can get the care I need and we can build that rapport and I can, I can keep coming back to you, right? So, so as far as finding me, uh, my, so actually I'm currently, my practice website is being built right now, but I own the domain. So it's Mahogany Telederm, but I am completely active on MahoganyDermatology.com. So that's MahoganyDermatology.com on Instagram, um, YouTube, and then the website itself. I love that. And what you do complements what I do because people with, you know, acne or skin disorders, it can increase stress, right? Because people see you, they judge you, you know, whether it's acne, whether it's hyperpigmentation, people do want to feel comfortable in their skin. So yes, 
I love that. I love that. And you also blog, right? Where can they find your blogs? Yeah, Mahogany Dermatology, that's the blog. Um, but yeah, you mentioned um, stress. So there's actually a specialty, which I don't think a lot of people know, it's called psychodermatology. And that is that whole psychological component that comes with any dermatological concern, right? Acne, hyperpigmentation, uh, razor bumps, all those little things that you see, you know, when the guys would go get their hair cut and they'll be like, oh, they had dirty clippers. And then they get that, what we call um, acne uh, nuke in the back there. All those things that we grew up, didn't even know it had a name, didn't know someone could actually treat it, just thought it was just either they had a great barber or they didn't. Um, all those things um, can be addressed. Yeah, and that's why we need you. We need you to come back into the community and, <laughs> and educate us and treat us. And yeah, I love it. I love what you're doing. I love that you are disrupting the space and you know, you're, you're, serving, you're serving us. It's so needed. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the podcast before we wrap up. I want to learn more about that. How did you start? What are you guys talking about? And where can our listeners find you to listen to your podcast? So TMI, The Melanin Initiative, is a health literacy podcast that provides a nursing perspective. And what we realize in healthcare is that oftentimes there's too much information and not enough time. So at TMI, we break it down into really simple information for people to understand. We meet weekly, TMI Tuesdays at 10, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, and no more than 20 minutes of your time. And we just take, you know, teach a little bit here, come back next week and build on that so that people aren't overwhelmed. They feel empowered and educated and they get the care that they need. So that idea came from about six months ago. I took care of a black gentleman. He was about 65 or so. He had just had a catheter placed for, to start dialysis. And he said, you know what? I had two fears in life and one of them was dialysis. And so, you know, I'm talking to him and what happened is he had stopped taking his blood pressure medicine. First, he said, oh, my blood pressure got better, so I stopped taking it. We all know, we all know that story. So then, you know, keeps talking some more, and then he says, well, actually, my insurance ran out. So I started cutting the pills in half, and then I ran out. And so I just asked him, well, what is high blood pressure? You know, I'm trying to see, does he under obviously he doesn't know the relationship between high blood pressure being uncontrolled and ending up on dialysis, right? So I asked him, what's high blood pressure? He goes off on a philosophical tangent I couldn't follow. So then I said, okay, let me rephrase this. What happens to your body when you have high blood pressure? And he takes a minute to think and he's like, you know what? I don't think I know that. That's actually a really good question. What, what if he had just known the answer to that? This could have been completely avoided. And even though, so I've been in healthcare for 10 years now and I've seen a lot of patients in his shoes, but for some reason he stuck with me probably because I'm in this space to be creative and explore again, sabbatical year. And I was just like, you know what? I want to start this podcast. So I reached out to all my colleagues. Two of them rose their hand, said, yes, we'll do it with you. We premiered three weeks ago. You know, it's a podcast, but since everybody, including Wellness with Wendy, makes videos to go with their podcast, we do have a YouTube channel. And so, um, yeah, actually, what's today, Monday? So tomorrow will be our fourth episode on um, healthcare advocacy. And we just do this simple language that we do every day with patients, but we just don't have the time because what I thought when I was talking to him, it's like, where was he going to learn it, though? You don't learn it in high school. We tell you not to look at Dr. Google. When you come in for your first visit, we say, oh, look, if you don't change your diet or lose weight, you're going to be on high blood pressure medicine. You come back next year. Oh, look, you didn't change your diet. You gained weight. I'm going to put you on this high blood pressure medicine. But I never took the time to talk to you because I only had 15 or 20 minutes. So where were you going to learn it? You don't. And that's why so many of them come in and they say, oh, I stopped taking it. I didn't feel hyper, so I didn't think I needed it. And we're always having this battle and this struggle. Um, and I thought, you know, what if what, what if I just put my hat in the ring and see what we can do with that? 
Yeah, and I think that that's a great start, but I feel like this podcast needs to be part of primary care offices where they can refer their patients, mm. well, get more information. Dreamer, dreamer win. <laughs> what did I say? We create our own path, right? Nothing is impossible. Uh, but if we're taking the time as healthcare professionals to you know, record every week information that can save someone's lives, we need to amplify that. We need to take it to healthcare institutions, clinics, when they're discharged, you know, your name needs to be on a discharge summary to say, hey, tap into this podcast. So I think that's what we need. I feel like as healthcare professionals, we are innovative, brilliant minds, and, and we do all these things, but it's how do we make the most impact? And I think what you're doing in your podcast definitely needs to be amplified and incorporated into healthcare, because you're not just a coach, you are a healthcare professional with a lot of experience, you and your uh, podcast uh, co-host, you know, so I think, you know, we need to figure out a way to get your patient, get patients dialed in to this podcast where they can get bite-sized information that can help them, you know, live a healthy and well life. So if anyone's listening out there and you are a provider who, um, you know, you have patients in primary care, what have you, we know time is limited. We know what the healthcare system's like. This is something you can definitely tap into to complement what you do, right? And, and that's what it's about. It's about us collaborating to really help society. Because as we know, nursing, we're in trouble. There, there's a, a national nursing shortage and so many nurse entrepreneurs are doing great things out there that can help complement the healthcare system that, is, that we're in trouble. But I mean, there are things out there like your podcast. So I think that's something that, you know, get into the email uh, inboxes and get those uh, primary care providers, get on their radar. Um, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Consider it done, Wendy. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, before we get out of here, um, how can people find you? Do you have an email? Are you on LinkedIn? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn under Dr. Kimberly Madison DNP. Um, but the best way to find me is really mahoganydermatology.com. That's probably the easiest one. Okay, perfect. And mm -hmm. before we wrap up officially, I want to take you through a rapid fire. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, let's have some fun. All right. So, wellness means. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Wellness means uh, holistic care, right? Mind, body, soul, inside and out. I know I'm stressed one. Oh. Mm. I need to take a minute and step aside. <laughs> <laughs> My go-to stress management solution is? Oh, God's side do with nature. Mm. One word that described me is? Mm. Dreamer. Mm. I was thinking flexibility. <laughs> so, oh, okay, that's cool. agile, agility. Something. <laughs> yeah, I like. I you know I consider myself to be an athlete, so I like. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you had one wish for healthcare, what would it be? Wow. Oh man. You know my my wish for healthcare is that patients would feel that they're as important to the team as we, we know we are. And what's one thing you learned about yourself during COVID? Mm, that it's okay to take your own path. Yeah, For sure, for sure. And my last question that I know everyone wants to know, Oh, did you find love in Memphis? Oh! <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's a whole nother show. But I, I did. So I didn't find love in Memphis. I didn't find love in Memphis. But check this out, right? So when I was in Boston, I was working um, at a store, and a lady invited me to her home. The only black person in attendance to her home was this lady named Charlene. Charlene walks in the door within five minutes. She's like, you know what? She rips off her wig. And I said, I need to meet her. We stayed friends. Every year, Charlene has a barbecue. Her godmother has a barbecue in, in Maryland. She introduced me to this guy because everyone knew I was going to be dating. Right? I had been in school forever and a day. I was ready to put love on the map. So um, she introduces me to this guy. I think he talks too much, but he asked me to go out. And I didn't want to be the mean friend, so I say yes. We go out on a date. Again, I'm really just there because I don't want to be the mean friend. We go to this place called Top Golf, and I'm trying to get on my quest. So I had, he had asked me to call him, and I didn't want to do it. So um, we go to this date. I'm trying to get on my questions. I answered, who are you? Why are you interested in me? When's your last time you dated someone? Have you ever been married yet? Right? He doesn't want to answer any of my questions. So I was like, you know what? This is a one-time thing. We finished golf. We're walking downstairs. I'm thinking this is the end of the date. He takes me over to this, like, <laughs> this bench. We talk for another hour. And that's where we talk about, like, our values and what we want out of life. And that's when I was like, you know what? There's an, I've heard enough from this guy that I want to see him again. So I invite him to join me for brunch two days later. And then we spend the whole day together. The next day he makes me salad. We spend the next day together. He never takes off work. He took off work. And that was 10 years ago. And we have been on one long date ever since. <laughs> and he's from Boston. He's from, that's the thing. He's from Boston. So I got my Boston experience after all. Like, it worked out beautifully. It's a really long version to that story, but I gave you the the editor's cut <laughs> Love it. now where are you located now i'm physically in colorado because during the pandemic i started traveling it was that window of opportunity that i just couldn't pass up had thought about it forever and so i'm at the end of that this is technically my last contract and i'm gonna um move and uh to, to texas so i'm looking for a job a nurse practitioner job and uh yeah and uh, move on get move on from there <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Dr. Madison, it was a pleasure having you on here. You are definitely leaving your footprints on the world. I love it. And I look forward to having you back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'd love to come back in a year, let you know how everything's going. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. And what you're doing for nursing and for just this whole platform in general is is beautiful. i wish you the best of luck in your dmp journey if there's anything i can do please don't hesitate to ask one thing we always tell people in nursing is they need a mentor but we never tell them how we never offer our opportunity we never offer ourselves so consider this an invitation whatever i can do for you at any time you have my number and i'm always available oh i'm calling and, you and right now right right i'm calling you y'all hear that it's all recorded so, all right. and, the same, and the same to your listeners particularly your, anyone in healthcare. i'm here i'm available Awesome. Well, thank you so much for offering yourself. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. 
for example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.